Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. Okay, so church, remember where we left off. Okay, Psalm 119 is divided into 22 parts um, known as stanzas, stanzas, and, and they're actually denoted by the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet. So we're kind of going through. Now, each stanza contains eight verses, and the first letter of each verse is, is, is the name that's given to that stanza. And we saw, we saw some other ones, and uh, we looked at, uh, just a few weeks ago, um, we looked at Aleph, and um, we looked at Beth, and then we looked at Gamel, and we looked at Deluth. And so, so there's all these, these Hebrew uh, letters, and again, this is how it's all built down. And, and the more I study it, the more I realize just how amazing the Word of God is. Now, if you're taking notes, here's what I want you to jot down, okay? Every time we get together, jot this down. The whole psalm, Psalm 119, encompasses the meditation and obedience to the Word of God. But what it does is it sparks something in our heart that we realize that the Word of God really is the Word of God. And that we shouldn't neglect it and we shouldn't uh, uh, just kind of haphazardly read it, but it's, it's powerful, it's alive, and, and, and the psalmist is just, I mean, it just expresses how he loves the Word of God. And I guess my prayer would be for all of us is to say this. We want a, Lord, just increase our hunger for your Word. Lord, stir up a hunger for your Word. We have so much things going on in our lives. We've got television, we've got social media, we've got this going on, this going on. But our prayer should be tonight, Lord, give me a greater hunger for your Word. I want to just be attracted to your word to read it. I want to know it. I don't just want to read it. I want it to read me so that I can be closer to you and I can walk closer to you. And that's what the whole psalm is. And for the last two weeks, we've covered five stanzas. And one of the key applications, if you recall, and I'm going to hit this because I think it's so important, is that we are basically exhorted to walk in the ways of the Lord, to walk in the ways of the Lord. Wait a minute, heart check, stop, I need to back up for just a minute. What does that mean? Well, again, remember, the word walk in the Hebrew is habitual pattern of living a habitual pattern of living. And remember, we talked about passive habits and active habits. We talked all about that. But here's my question to us. When it comes to passive habits or active habits, my question is, what active habits are we engaging in today to help us walk closer to God? What active habits? Guys, we have to put in the work. We have to open the Bible. We have to read it. We have to pray, God, speak to me. Lord, show me my blind spots because I can't see if something's coming. Lord, help me to be a better husband. Help me to be a better wife. Help me to be a better employee. Help me to be a, a better daughter or a better son. These are all the things the Word of God. And again, these are active. What are we doing? What are we doing? Are we, are we actively engaging? Are we actively habitually looking and asking the Lord, what is going to help me walk closer to you? 
You see, the benefits of salvation is simple. We get to go to heaven. Everybody goes, amen, I want to go to heaven. But a beautiful benefit of the gospel of salvation is we get to live here close to Jesus. We get to pray, and he's going to guide us, and he's going to walk, and he's going to bring peace when in a world of chaos. Let me illustrate it this way. If you love roller coasters, anybody love roller coasters? I'm not a big fan of roller coasters, but we like roller coasters. Let's say that the world and, and life is a roller coaster. And what happens is you get on there riding, and you get on, and you want to make sure it's all buckled, and here we go. And then you start going up, right? About this time, I'm like, stop, I'm out. I'm going to die. That's me. But not you guys. Some of you like it. Some of you are like, yes! And when you get to the top, you do something crazy. Exactly. You go, ah! And you look silly, and the rest of us are like this. Right? Unbelievers in the world, unbelievers in the world are doing this. And they're freaking out because they don't know what's next. They don't see what's happening. But for the believer, we're doing this. Hey, why? Because Jesus is in control of all of this. You see, my greatest fear of a roller coaster is that I'm not in control. And I don't know who maintenance, and I don't know if I'm going to fly, go falling off there, right? You go, Ben, that, that's never happened. It'll happen to me, I guarantee you. So the point is, the point is, God, the Lord Jesus has got us. And we just gotta, we just gotta enjoy the ride. But see, that's the point, guys. The point is here. Are we actively engaging to where we go, God's got this. God's got this. Yeah, but you don't understand. Did you see? Did you hear what happened here? Did you see what happened here? You're like, ah, we're having fun. Why, why, why are you excited? What's going on with you? God's got me. God's got. Let, let, let me use the let me use this guy to encourage you this way. If the Lord Jesus doesn't come, we're gonna die. And that's and that's the hard part for us because because we're like, I, I don't I don't want to die. I don't want you to die. I don't want to die. I don't I, you know. But the point is is we go, ah, why? Because because Jesus told us you're gonna die. It's part of life. But when you're wrapped in me, it's not death. She didn't die. She just moved. She graduated. We forget, and it's hard for us to comprehend, that we're going to see him again. It's hard. We're going to see him again. We are? Yeah, we're going to see him again. And we look forward to that. The problem is, guys, is that we get, we get so, so earthly focused that we forget. Now, again, think about this. Think about this. And I, wanna, I really want to hit this home. Tell me, what active habits are we engaging in? What has changed in your life to help you walk closer to God? And it may not be doing something, it may be not doing something. Come on, somebody. It may not be, well, I started reading more. No, it may not even be that. It may be like, look, I decided I'm going to cut my screen time down. Or I'm going to stop doing this, or I'm going to put that off for a little bit. And then the second thing we learned, I thought that was real important in one of the stanzas, we learned about prayer. And we spent some time last week learning about the prayer of the psalmist. And if you recall, he prayed when, when he was gripped by fear. This was the psalmist. And also to church, he was 
praying when he, well, when he seemed that God was silent. God, I haven't heard from you lately. How are things? And, and he prayed in a loneliness situation, and he prayed for persecution. And, and I love the fact that the word of God is so relevant that we at times are gripped by fear. And my question to you and to me is when fear comes knocking, do we pray? Well, of course we pray. God, please don't let this happen. I'm, no, 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 no. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about a prayer that says, God, you've got this. Just like he talked about. Or, or do we pray, Lord, I just feel far from you. I feel distant. I feel like it's a dark night of the soul. I, I can't hear you, God. And so we have to ask the question, when that happens, which one of us moved? Which one of us moved? If you've ever had a food allergy, you know what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, you're eating something different, and you realize, I'm not feeling good. You have to go back, and you have to do an inventory. What did I eat? That's Oh, I added this in my, oh, okay, I'm allergic to this, I... Gonna uh, so so a lot of times it's the same thing. Lord, you're silent. What what have I done different? Oh, well, my quiet time went away. I think it off. We often pray when we're lonely, and if we're being serious and we're being honest in church, loneliness can be just as bad as cancer. You can be in a room full of people and be so lonely and so heartbroken, nobody knows. And loneliness often leads to depression. We have to recognize that. And so when we're lonely, do we pray? Or what about when we're being persecuted? The psalmist says, I know exactly how you feel. And I'm telling you, church, I'm not a prophet, but I know we're headed into a place where being a a follower of Jesus Christ is going to, we're going to be persecuted. You go, well, how so? Well, first of all, I think it's going to be our credit system. But I think also, too, you're not going to get the jobs that, you're, that other people get. You're not going to get the pay that other people get. And then it's eventually going to be, if you say or claim you're a born-again Christian, you will be persecuted. Can you imagine can you imagine? You see, they have something set up in place. I don't know if you know this, but they have something set up in place. If they offer you a credit card, they'll give you a credit card and they'll give you a credit limit. And periodically, they'll check your, your payment history or whatever, and they can easily take up or down the credit limit depending on however they feel like it. And so you're thinking you have a $2,000 credit limit, you're going to make a big purchase, and you realize, wait a minute, they've dropped it down to 1000 How can they do that? With a switch of a button, you now only have 1000 You go, that's weird, that's really rough. Yeah, it is, they can do it. No matter how you pay or not pay. In the same way, watch what happens if the world turns over and we're persecuted. I wonder what the things that we'll have to face. You see, the psalmist knew, and these are the, same, the very same things that, that we experience in life. 
And last week, we learned that the Word of God actually revives us and nourishes us and strengthens us. And at times, listen, remember, jot this down, it goads us into growth. You guys remember what a goad was, right? It was a big, long uh, stick, and it has a real pointy thing, and this is what you use to go, oh, oh hey, oh, and that's what, that's what the psalmist said. The Word of God goads us to growth. Growth. You see, oftentimes, if we're goaded into something, we often think it's punishment. Well, I didn't want to do it, but ow! But, but God says, no, 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 listen, listen, here's those things. Sometimes we, Sometimes we're stubborn. None of you are. I know that. But sometimes we have to be goaded into growth. And that's that little push of, okay. And you know how I'm goaded into growth? I like to surround myself with people who are always, always um, challenging me. That's, that's goaded into growth. You, you understand that. And you're, you're being challenged. And sometimes we think of it as like, well, no, no, no. It's, it's a challenge in the word of God. If you have a workout, power, a workout partner, you know what that means, right? He's lifting heavy, and you, you say, man, I want to get to that point where I'm lifting. And so you're constantly challenging yourself. And eventually you're, you're, you're trying to, and, and that's what a workout partner does. Well, in the same way, guys, we've got to have people in the body of Christ that are constantly going, hey, how's your walk? How are things? Tell, tell me what Jesus told you today. Tell me what he spoke to you. What was it? I'll never, for, I'll never forget. I, one time I went, and and this was a this was a, a pastoral thing. I went with a group of pastors, and we were going to a conference. And uh, one of the pastors challenged me. He looked at me and he goes, "Hey, so what are you reading?" And I'm going, "What do you mean? What am I reading? I'm reading the Bible. What are you reading?" And he goes, "No. What? Do you, tell me what you're reading. What other books are you reading to help you grow in the ministry? To help you?" In, and I was really, really convicted. I was really convicted. I was like, what do you mean? And he started showing me, look, there's some, there's some good leadership books because you're also called to be a leader. And there's some good communication books because you always want to work on your communication. And there's always these good books. And, 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 and what about for your personal? What, what are you doing to edify you? And he really challenged me. He really challenged me to get good books. And let me just say this to you. There are some good secular books that are really good in, in just growth. They really are. There's some great minds out there, and, and you can take it and apply the biblical principles, and, and it's just good stuff. But the point is we need to be goaded into growth. Not in a harsh way, not in a mean way, not in a prideful way. Well, I can't believe you're reading the Bible. What are you reading? I'm Just, hey, so... Tell me, what's God saying to you? What's God speaking to you? What did you read last night? Wow, cool. That's really cool. How's your walk with the Lord? Well, um, you know, we don't want that deer in the headlights. How's your walk with the Lord? Uh, good. But we know the word of God revives us. Amen? It nourishes us, guys. It's, it, 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 it strengthens us. And we learned that stanza number five was all about learning, obeying, observing, walking in and turning away, and it's all wrapped up in the word of God. So now we come to verse 41. This is the sixth letter, and it's wa. 
W-A-W, or some of it is actually translated um, V-A-V, Va. So you can, you can kind of get both of them. But it's the name of the Hebrew letter, which is used as a conjunction. And it can mean and, now, then, several other things depending on the context and the type of Va it is. Right? It occurs at the beginning of Genesis 1-2 and is translated in the King James Version, and, and the earth was without form, and here, here would be the word and, void. It would be vow, and so you go, okay, but let me give us, let, let's get some application. It also transforms, listen to me, the past into the future, or the future into the past. You can kind of see that. But here's what I really want you to write down. In this psalm, I want you to see steady progress. Steady progress. You're continually moving forward. Here's why. Listen to me. Listen. I want you to look at an airplane, okay? If you ever fly in a commercial airplane, here's what happens. The commercial airplanes don't have reverse. They're designed to go forward, and when they land, they come in, and then what do they have to do? They have to be what? They have to be pushed back. This is how the Christian life, it's designed to move forward, not backward. But if you're not moving forward, you're moving backward. If you're not an actively pursuing the word of God in your life, actively. Now, stop, 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 stop. Listen, what actively do you have in your life that's causing you to, well, I'll get to that in just a minute. I want to just tease it just a little bit because we're going to talk about it in just a minute. So steady progress. Now, I've titled this message, My Heart, Christ's Home, and for tonight, we discover that if we hide the Word of God in our heart, so dwells our Savior. So dwells our Savior. Picking it up in verse 41, everybody got your Bible open, it says, Let your mercies come also to me, O Lord, your salvation according to your Word. So shall I have an answer for him who reproaches me, for I trust in your word, your attention, please. The psalmist starts by saying, Lord, give me. Lord, give me. We go, what do you mean? Notice he says, let your mercies come also to me. But here's what I want you to see. He's saying, Lord, give me, but not all things that a man could want. Lord, give me a bigger house. Lord, give me four cars. Lord, I'd like electric bike. Lord, give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. No, no, no. Here's what he wants. He says, give me your unfailing love. That's what he's saying. And if there's one thing we need in this life is God's unfailing love. Notice, let your, but it's not just mercy, it's mercy. Circle that word, it's plural. Let your mercies. Why would you say that? Because it means so much more than just mercy. It actually means kindness, goodness, loving kindness. It's spread out all over. And so the psalmist is going, listen, here's what I need. I need, Lord, I need you. Church, listen to me. This is coming to my mind, so it's probably from the Lord. Sometimes we feel like God is harsh and we forget he's loving and he's merciful and he's gracious and he's compassionate and he's love. Sometimes we feel like if we just get out of line one second, we're going to get just just spiritually smacked on. And, and that's not God. God is so good and so loving. And let me say this to you. The reason he hasn't come for us yet is because he's merciful. 
He's merciful. But not only that, think about this. Think about the, the reason you're saved. He didn't save you just to save you. Oh, you're saved. Okay. Now go sit in the corner and be saved. He saved you so that he could use you. He could use you to display the same attributes he has. Grace, mercy, love, loving kindness. That same thing. This is what he's saying. Lord, give unto me. What, Lord? He says, your salvation that you promised. That's what he's saying. Your salvation according to your word. Now, here's a question. Why would the psalmist ask for God's love and salvation? Why? The answer is found in verse 42. He says, then I can answer those who taunt me, for I trust in your word. Now, again, think about this. Being a Christian is not easy-peasy like George and Wheezy, okay? It's not. It's not for the faint heart. Being a Christian is going to be hard. You're going to be taunted. You're going to be mocked. You're going to be ridiculed. You stand up for something and a lot of people are going to try to knock you down. But here's what the psalmist says. Lord, can I have your loving kindness? Can I have your salvation? Why? so that I can answer those who taunt me. He says, for I trust in your word. Lord, here's what he's saying. Give me your unfailing love and the salvation you promised, because then I can answer those who are persecuting me. And the reason why? I trust in your word. Now, listen, before we move on, something as I was studying this text kept jumping out. You guys ready? Jot this down. Do we really trust in God's word? Do we really? You go, of course I do, pastor. I love, of course I trust in God's word. No, 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 no. Listen. The psalmist is saying, or I trust in your word. So we got to chat. We got to chat because that thing just kept jumping out. Do I really trust in your word? I trust in the fact that what I'm doing is going is, is, is gonna to help me. I trust in the fact that if I have a job, I'm going to get paid. I trust in the fact that if whatever it might be. But here's the psalmist is going, do I trust in your word? You go, what does it mean? Well, let's chat for a moment, right? To trust is to believe in the reliability, the truth, the ability, or the strength of something. You understand? That's what it means to trust. Okay, how so? I trust that this platform is going to hold me up. I trust in its reliability. I trust in the truth of it. I trust in its ability. I trust in the strength of it. I trust in it. If I didn't trust in it, I wouldn't stand up here. You trust in the chair that you sat in. I didn't see any of you go, oh, let me just double check. I turned it over. I looked. I made sure all the bolts were on there. I just, I, no, you came in. <laughs> I trust in it. You trust in the strength of it. Everybody understand? That's what it means. That's what it means. So when it comes to the word, when it comes to trusting in God, guess what that means? It means that you trust, you believe in his reliability. He's reliable. You're trusting in his word, his ability, and his strength. That's what it means. Listen, I'm not that, hey, just grab myself up by my bootstraps. I don't have any bootstraps. My strength has to come from God. 
You see, I trust in his word. And when his word says what it's supposed to say, you know what the Bible says? That God cannot lie. God cannot lie. So the question is, do you trust in his word? The psalmist did. I know a lot of you trust in his word because you're trusting in his salvation. And that is by faith, is it not? Wait, wait, Pastor Ben, I've got a question. My, the, the prayer that I prayed, is that, does that get me saved? No, I'll tell you why. Because words alone aren't sufficient to save, are they? Words alone. But when you put your faith and trust, and when you confess and believe in your heart, Romans tells us that we'll be saved. And you're going to walk in that, aren't you? You can't tell me that any of us here don't doubt that if we hear that, 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 that uh, trumpet sound, that we go, uh, I hope I go. We should believe, I'm going to go. I trust in the Lord. I trust in the Lord. Why? Because he says, believe in me. Just believe in me. Believe in me. Well, it goes on in verse 43 and says, Take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in your ordinances. Notice the word yav, right? That's the, that's the word, the Hebrew. He says, and, there it is, do not take your word from me. He says, my only hope is in your word. The word can only be used, how? By divine consent, and there must be a sensitive dependence on the word of God. Why? Notice again what he says. He says, don't take your word from me. Can I tell you a scary place for the believer? It's when you read the word of God and it does nothing for you. When you read the word of God and it's not alive and you're like, eh. I was watching a video the other day of people who openly mock the word of God, celebrities, and how they took specific instances in the Old Testament and God killed these people and God did that. Is that the God? And they're just, they're just mad at God. And of course, the bottom line is they didn't, they didn't, they didn't study, they didn't know what it, the context or anything was, but they mocked God that way. And I thought, that's, that's crazy. But see, what the psalmist is saying here is, he says, the word, the word of God, listen to me, church, can only be used by divine consent. God, give me your word. And there must be a sensitive dependence on the word of God. What does that mean? When you get up in the morning and you study, or when you go before you go to bed, however you do it, that you realize that it's the word of God. You see, it's the same thing for church. It's not like we just come in, okay, I'm a, I'm tired, I'm there, okay, Pastor Hurry, and oh, that was a great song. And Okay, so what'd you learn? No, I don't know. We're not sensitive to the word of God. You see, it's not me who's going to change you, but the Holy Spirit as he begins to work in you and grow in you. You know, some of you understand the farmer analogy, right? You understand... Joe, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You've got to cultivate the ground. You've got to prepare the ground. You've got to pull the weeds. You've got to water. And then, and then you've got to get that ready. And then you add the seed. And then you watch it grow. And you've got, to, you've got to continually work at it. It's the same thing in our hearts, guys. And sometimes there's weeds around our hearts. We've got to pull those. Sometimes the ground gets a little bit hard. 
We saw that in Matthew chapter 19, where the rich young ruler came to Jesus and his heart was his heart was hardened based on the riches, and that was preventing him from accepting the Lord. The psalmist says, So I shall keep your law continually, forever and ever, and I will walk at liberty, for I seek your precepts. I just love this, right? Because if you have a a pencil handy, here's what I want you to write next to verse 44. Obedience is key. Obedience is key. He says, I will keep on obeying your instruction forever and ever. That's a great prayer to pray tonight. Lord, I'm just going to obey you. I'm just going to obey you. Well, how does God speak to us? Does, is it because because I, I got to be honest with you? Sometimes God sounds a lot like me. Lord, is that you? Because you sound a lot like me. Sometimes the Lord will say, "Hey, go give that person some money." Was that God or was that me? I think that was me. No, God, right? Or pay for the meal, or buy their groceries, or whatever it might be. So we've got to we've got to know His Word because God will speak to us through His Word. And and please don't do this. It's called it's called Bible roulette. Lord, I'm praying for this and this and this. Oh, you said no. That's Bible roulette. We don't play that. When we pray, we pray. Say, Lord, show me, show me what I'm supposed to do. Guide me. Guide me. Okay. And I was reading in in Jeremiah, and it was. Wow, and he really spoke to me. And he told me, this is, be careful, be careful. I've seen, I've seen too much Bible roulette, and that's not how God operates. He wants to speak to you through his, it, we need to be sensitive to his word. It's a living, sharper than any two-edged sword, right here, the word of God. That's what the psalmist is getting to. This is, and he says, obedience. He says, I'm going to obey. And what happens? My obedience will allow me to walk in freedom. That's what he's saying. If you want to be free, obey the word of God. Well, that's not hard. He says, as long as I devote myself to your commandments, a life which demonstrates true freedom, which obedience brings. So you go, what's key? Verse 44, obey. And I will walk at liberty. Look at verse 46. I will speak of your testimonies before kings and not be ashamed. I will delight myself in your commandments, which I love. My hands will also lift up your commandments, which I love. And I will meditate on your statutes. Wow. Notice what the psalmist writes. I will speak to kings about your laws, and I will not be ashamed. How I delight in your... Notice he keeps saying, I love your law. But here's the thing that reminded me. My mind automatically went to the Apostle Paul. Do you guys remember in Acts 25 and 26 when he was right before King Agrippa? Okay? In Acts 25, 23, it says, So the next day when Agrippa and Bernice came with great pomp, they entered the auditorium with the commanders and the prominent men of the city of Festus. And Festus commanded Paul to be brought in. Oh, here comes Paul. Chapter 26, 1 and 2, Then Agrippa said to Paul, You are permitted to speak for yourself. So Paul stretched out his hand and answered for himself. I think myself happy, King Agrippa, because today I shall answer for myself before you concerning all the things which I am accused of by the Jews. Now listen, we don't have time to go all through this, but what I want you to see is Acts chapter 26, Paul is presenting the gospel of Jesus, and he's sharing with all the kings and everybody there. So my question is, okay, my question is, in Acts 26, here's the thing. The psalmist says, listen, be ready. Be ready in the word of God because I'm going to give you opportunity 
I'm going to give you opportunity between kings and nobles to speak the word of God. Be ready. So my question is, Paul's in prison. Paul's in prison, okay? He's under house arrest. He's got the ankle bracelet on and everything. Can't go very far. This is Paul. But he's given an opportunity here in Acts 26 to talk to King Agrippa. Well, again, I want to see the prominent men of the city. Here's Paul. My question to you, Christian, listen, my my question to you, are we whining and complaining that we're in prison? Or are we excited that this actually brought us to a place where I can speak the gospel to people? Come on, church. Because, see, a lot of times we go, maybe it's not prison, but we go, I hate my job. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. I hate my job. Or are we going, God, you brought me here for a season so that I can share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your boss calls you in and says, hey, what makes you so different? But please be different. Please be different. Please be different. If, if we're going to be a fully devoted follower of God, then do a good job. Work hard, eight hours. Give them your best. Everybody else is just trying to skate by on, on whatever. That's going to give you an opportunity to talk to your boss and go, why, why do you work so hard? Oh, I love Jesus. And, and that's what God's called me to do. Tell me more about this Jesus. And I pray that it doesn't happen to, to your boss or whoever it might be as it did King Agrippa. Because in verse 28 of chapter 26, Agrippa said to Paul, you almost persuaded me to be a Christian. What does that mean? He didn't get saved. I got some good application here. You ready? Listen to me, Christian. Listen. It's not our job to change people's minds. You go, what do you mean? That's up to the Holy Spirit. It's not our job. Isn't that freeing? Because all you have to do is live. Come on, somebody say live. Live the gospel of Jesus Christ out loud. That's all you got to do. Just live. Tell others and love people back to life and obey his word. Okay? And what happens is that the Holy Spirit begins to change people's minds. It's your job just to share. That's all you got to do. Share. You see, we want to get in debates. I'm going to debate you, and I really want to change your mind. And you're not listening to me. Hey, I'm just going to tell you, listen, this is what I know. This is what God will do. And I'm praying that God, that you'll open. And that's what happened to us, and that's how we got saved. That's how we got saved. Paul, he presented the gospel, and Agrippa said, eh, maybe. You almost persuaded me. Paul goes, okay, that's on you, bro. I still got a lot more people to talk to. A lot more people. Fast forward to 2022. There might come a time in our life when we're called to share Jesus with authorities. To give our testimonies, if you will, like the psalmist, to mayors, governors, or even presidents, or or just normal noblemen. There might be a time. 
Do you remember what Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, verse 16? He says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also the Greek. So it's powerful. I know I'm all over the place, but I feel like it's the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question. In these last days, if they were to take your Bible away, could you still do a Bible study? Could you still do a Bible study? Could you still present the gospel? Could you talk about the Roman road? That's what we need to do. We need to take the word of God and internalize it. So if they ever come and say, give us your Bibles, we'll go, you're going to have to take my heart. You're going to have to take my heart. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Now, the next Hebrew letter in stanza is Zayin. Zayin. Okay? Jot this down. It means sword or sharp weapon. Sword or sharp weapon. Now, if you do a couple more clicks on your computer, it actually focuses on the themes of remembering. Okay? It's, it's really remembering and the comfort of God. This is, this is where we go. So let us remember verse 49. Remember your word to your servant upon which you have caused me to hope. This is my comfort and affliction, for your word has given me life. Do you guys see that? Verse 49 and 50, the psalmist reminds the Lord, not that God forgets, you understand that, right? Not that he forgets, but often brings to remember his promises, for the promises of God is our only hope. The promises of God. What do they do? Well, here's his promises. They revive me. They comfort me in my times of stress. That's what the promises of God do. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 28 and 29, it says, And now, O God, O Lord God, you are God, and your words are true, and you have promised this goodness to your servant. Here's the promises. Therefore, let it please you to bless the house of your servant, that it may continue before you forever. For you, O Lord, have spoken it, and with your blessing, let the house of your servant be blessed forever. He's saying, let, Lord, I want all your promises. I want all your promises. So guess what I did? I said, I went on the internet, and I said, how many promises are in the word of God? And let me just give you, here's what I found. Anywhere from 3,000 to 8,810 promises. Well, I'm not going to go through all 8,810 promises, but let me give you five really quick. These are promises of God. It's number one, the promise of salvation. The promise of salvation. Salvation means being saved through Jesus Christ. You know that. He promises to be saved if you put your faith and trust in him. Number two. It's the promise of answered prayer. Can I get an amen? Amen. We have sat here on Thursdays and prayed and prayed and prayed and we've watched God move. We prayed for a little four-year-old boy who we thought was gone and God did a miracle. Do you all remember we were praying for one of the pastors in in, um, Georgia? Sandy Adams' son, Zachary? Well, the Facebook post said that he's doing great. His lungs are actually coming back to life. 
And the doctor said, I don't know how, because what he went through, his lungs should have just stayed like this. But there's movement. And I'm going, that's God. That's God. Number three, we have the promise of victory in the word. That's why we sang that, I want to see a victory. Number four, it's the assurance of forgiveness. Listen, the flesh sometimes pushes a Christian to sin, even when the spirit is against it. But as long as God remains the I am that I am, the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, you can, and you sincerely repent, we have the assurance of forgiveness. Number five, it's the assurance of guidance. It's the Holy Spirit living in us. And, and that's the promise. He's going to guide us. He's going he's to tell you. Well, it goes on in verse 51. It says, the proud, you, the proud have given me great derision, yet I do not turn aside from your law. This is amazing. Why? He said, the proud hold me in contempt. Contempt. You go, what does that mean? The word contempt makes me feel worthless. You make me feel worthless. He says, he says, the proud people make me feel awful. They make me feel like I'm this low. They look down on me. He says, but guess what? I'm not going to turn away from your word. I'm not going to turn away from your word. What do you think the psalmist is trying to do here? He's trying to get us to fall in love with God's word. He's trying to get us to have the word of God be our everything. And notice, notice what it says. It says, yet I do not turn aside from your laws. Notice his word, his laws, if you will, they minister comfort. They minister comfort. If we are ever in need of comfort from God's word, it's today. Amen? It's today. It's everything that we're going through. You go, how so? It's inflation. It's higher gas prices. It's uncertainty. It's, it's every day. But here's the thing. We need to go to God's word. Now, please be careful, church. You go, be careful? What do you mean? Sometimes we'll listen to hundreds of podcasts or hundreds of sermons, and yet God says, no, 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 I want to speak to you directly. And sermons are great. Podcasts are great. Sometimes we need to get quiet alone by God and let him speak to us. In a still, small voice, we just need to let him speak. I listen to, I listen to a lot of sermons, and I think they're great. But I never get as much out as when I sit alone with God and say, God, speak to me. Speak to me. You know what I get angry about? I get angry about sometimes when I simply read the word to, to get a check mark. Okay, I've done it. Now I've got to run off and got to do my workout and got to be at the church and got to do this and got to do that. And, got to, and the Lord's like, we didn't talk. Yes, we did, Lord. I had two cups of coffee. No, you had two cups of coffee, but you didn't let me speak. What do you mean? I read your word. Yeah, you read it. But you didn't absorb it, did you? Does he ever do that to you? Knocks on your heart and you got to go back. Don't you just love those sweet times when you put on worship music and it really ministers to you and then you get in his word and you're just crying and you're just like, oh, this is so good. And, and it's so sweet. I love those times. That means I have to be sensitive to his word. I can't just read it as some document or, or, or what, black letters on a white page. It's, it's alive and I, I need to see that. 
If we ever need in comfort, it's in God's word. And yet, here's what I found. We try to find comfort in so many other things. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Why do we try to find, why do we try to find comfort in all the other things? It's like that old country song. I was looking for love in all the wrong places. And we look for comfort in all the wrong things. That's going to be my next country song. I was looking for comfort in all the wrong things. I was trying. Anyway, so don't even go there. Verse 52. I remember your judgment of old, O Lord. I've comforted myself. Indignation has taken a hold of me because the wicked have who forsake your law. Your statutes have been my song and my house of my pilgrimage. I remember your name in the night, O Lord, and I keep your law. This has become mine because I've kept your precepts. Listen, when the psalmist starts to focus on the wicked, you see that he's focusing, but quickly returns to the love for his Lord and seeking directions. Notice what he writes. Your decrees have been the theme of my song wherever I lived. This is, you, I go back to your word. In verse 55, notice says, I reflect at night who you are, O Lord, therefore I obey your instructions. Right? Think about that. I, I remember your name at night, in the night. Isn't that sweet? He says, and I've kept your law. Hey, the next time, for some reason, the Lord wakes you up at midnight, or two, or three. Oh, I'm up. I don't know what's... I'm going to go to his word. I'm going to go to his word. That's my song. That's my go-to. That's my go-to. You go, but Ben, I start reading his word and I, I fall back asleep. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Just don't do that here, okay? I'm, I'm not done. Wake up. Now we move to the eighth stanza. This is known as Heth. Heth. Heth means, or it can be also Cheth or Heth. It's the eighth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, and here's what it means. It kind of means field or fence. This is what it means, kind of field or fence. This section opens and closes by addressing the Lord. His sufficiency for me and his faithful love as filling all life. You go, Ben, I'm not sure what you mean. Listen, in essence, we see a field or fence around our lives. His sufficiency and faithful love surrounds our lives. That's what he's saying. Okay, this is what this, this is going to do. He, here's the thought of this stanza. Okay, you ready? You cannot have God without knowing his word. You cannot have God without knowing his word. Does he speak through creation? Yes. Does he speak through a beautiful sunset? Absolutely. Does he speak through a good deed done in the name of Christ? Yes. But he speaks in knowing him through his word. The psalmist starts in verse 57 like this. You are my portion, O Lord. I have, I have said that I would keep your words. I have entreated your favor with my whole heart. Be merciful to me according to your word. Notice what he says. Lord, you're mine. And I promise to be your word. You know what song? Do you remember that old 50s song? You're mine and we belong together. That's what came out here in that song. I mean, Joe and, and Beverly might know that. I don't no, they were back in... Anyway, so um, he, the Lord says, Lord, you're mine. 
And he says, and I promise to obey your word. Isn't that sweet? It's like marriage vows. You say, you know what? You're mine. And I promise to obey. Of course, the wedding vows don't have obey anymore, do they? Mine still do. And I know Nathalie's not in here, but mine still did. And now it's like love, cherish, honor, but mine said obey. So I need a reminder from time to time that she said obey. (laughs) He says, with all my heart, I want your blessings. Be merciful according to your... Now, here's the problem. You, you guys got... You, you'll forget all the Bible study, but you go, I remember my wedding vows. Mine said obey too. And you're going to start nudging, and you go, mine didn't say that. It said just cherish and love. And so you might need to get married again. I'm just saying, okay? And if you want me to do your wedding, I'll put that in there. <laughs> Psalm 119, guys, we'll look at this in a few weeks. 105 says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Isn't that a sweet? This, this is, that's what he's saying. He's saying, Lord, I, with all of my heart, I want you. Be merciful. Guide me. Guide me. In other words, the word of God are like bookends for our lives. Okay, everything in between. Here's the word of God. Here's the word of God. He says, I pondered my life. Oh, let me go back, 59. I thought about my ways and turned my feet into your testimonies. I made haste and did not delay to keep your commandments. Notice what he's saying in verse 59, guys. He says, I thought about it. I pondered my life and realized I need to repent and follow you. So what did I do? I turned to your laws. I turned to your word. I actually hurried, he says, not for life, but for obedience, to keep and obey and do your commandments. Notice what he's saying. I want you to take a moment. Take a moment, guys, because notice what the psalmist says. He says, I thought about my ways. Would you do me a favor? Would you think about your ways for just a moment? Think about your ways. What do you mean? When we think about our ways, are we making haste to follow him and obey his word? Now, Ben, why do you say that? Well, let me illustrate it this way. This morning during my quiet time, I came across a verse that actually jumped out. It's in Second Chronicles 20, 32 through 33. And Jehoshaphat says, it says this, Jehoshaphat was a good king, following in the ways of his father. So Jehoshaphat was a good king. He was a good king. We can relate that. We're good believers, okay? And he, he was doing, what did he do? He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight. You go, Amen. During his reign, however, he failed to remove all the pagan shrines. And here's what jumped out. And the people never fully committed themselves to follow the God of their ancestors. And you go, what jumped out? I said, what are we serving that is keeping us from fully committing to God? That's a deep question. Because although Jehoshaphat was a good king, he didn't... He didn't take care of business. And the people were always had something that was keeping them from fully committing to God. And so I asked myself, what, what in my heart am I, what am I serving? You ready? You ready? Jot this down. It's what you think about all the time. It's what you think about all the time. That could be the very thing that's keeping you from fully committing yourself to God. You go, well, well, well but, I, but, I, but I think about God all the time. Amen. Amen. 
But sometimes we have to go, listen, what am I really thinking about? What am I really thinking about? Oh, I can't wait to get home and do this. I can't wait to get home and do that. Oh, I can't wait. Oh, man. I was thinking, thought about it all day. I thought about it. What if it's a spouse? I thought about her all day. I thought I wake up thinking about her, and and during lunch I think about her, and I went home thinking about her. And here's the problem: the problem is, guys, is that here's what we need to do: when we're fully committed to loving and serving God, then your spouse is going to be happy. If you think about your spouse so much that you put her in the place of God, then you'll quickly realize that people make horrible gods. And that's, that's, that's husband or wife. Oh, that Calvary Chapel. Pastor Ben said, I'm not supposed to think about my spouse. No, it's not what I said. <laughs> Baby, did you think about me? No, I didn't. Pastor Ben said not to think about you at all. <laughs> Were you hungry? I was hungry. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is don't make somebody or something or an occupation an idol. Tear down the pagan shrines that are keeping us from being fully committed to God. I think it's important that we take a moment and think about our ways and so we can turn our feet back to God. Look at verse 61. The cords of the wicked have bound me, but I have not forgotten your law. At midnight I will rise and give thanks to you because of your righteous judgment. Am I a companion of all who fear you? I am a companion of all who fear you and of those who keep your precepts. The earth of the Lord is full of your mercy. Teach me your statutes. Wow. Look at what he's saying. Evil people, evil weirdos, try to drag me into sin. Guess what? I'm firmly anchored in you. I'm fir- Isn't that great? But I'm firmly anchored in in you. I'm firmly anchored in your word for my life. And I will get up at midnight just to thank you for your promises, that word. Okay, there it is. All of y'all got to get up at midnight tonight and thank the Lord. (laughs) You go, Ben, it didn't say that. It did. Look, right there. He says, it says, at midnight, I will rise to give thanks to you. There you go. It's not me. It's the Lord. I love what he says here, though, guys. He says, I'm a friend to anyone who fears you, anyone who obeys your commandments. Lord, your unfailing love fills the earth. Teach me your decrees. Although Psalm 119 is is kind of presented as a personal speech to God, the psalmist is not totally alone at every point. Notice what he says. I love this. Listen, I am a companion of all who fear you. In other words, we're all in this together. He says, I like hanging around with my family. I like hanging around with people who encourage me. I'm not alone. And that's the one thing you need to realize. You're not alone in this walk. You've got brothers and sisters who love you so, so much. All right, so as we close, what are our takeaways? What are our takeaways? Stanza number six, we learn steady progress. Steady progress, guys, walking in the Lord. Let me, let me just say this. 
Slowly is the fastest way to walk with the Lord Jesus. Slowly is the fastest way to walk with the Lord Jesus. Just steady. Just steady. What do they used to say? Life is not a, a life is a, a marathon, not a sprint. It's true. We, we, we're not we're not rushing. And so slowly is the fastest way. That's a good takeaway. Stanza number seven. Always be remembering and the comfort of God. Lord, I remember. What's the best way to remember? Because some of our memories are gone. Like we can't remember names and we can't remember where we were. And, and the sad part is we can't remember why we walked into a room. What did I come in here for? You know? When you get up out of your recliner, you're not sure if you were sitting down or getting up. You weren't, you're not sure. <laughs> so the easiest way to remember the Word of God, guys, is a journal. Write down the things that He's done for you. Write down the things, the answered prayer. What a sweet, sweet time. You can go back and go, yeah, I remember that. I remember that. Stanza number eight is a fence. It's a fence around our lives. Understand the sufficiency and the faithful of faithfulness of God surrounds us. Here's a thought for this stanza, right? You cannot have God without knowing His Word. Father, we thank you tonight for your word and the truth in your word. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we're, we're honestly working our way through this, and um, I can't believe, Lord, you have 176 verses of just how sweet your word is. And he, and he interchanges statutes and laws and commandments and precepts. It's all your word. And all I have to say, Lord, is forgive us. Forgive us for the way we handle your word. And I pray that you would give us a greater hunger for your word. Lord, help us to actively, habitually put things in place to grow in your word. We love you tonight, Lord Jesus. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to do one last song, and then Talia's going to dismiss us. God bless you guys. We hope you enjoyed today's message. We'd love to hear from you and see you in person at the church. You can find our contact information, location, and even give a donation at calvarychapellubbock.church. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Until then, may God bless you and your family.